Mike one, Mike one, isn't this a lot of fun? Two, 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 you ready for the big opening? I don't know if people are still as excited about the big opening as we are, because we've had it for a while now. On professional podcasts, they'd probably just start with their opening, but it took us so long to get this opening, I feel like I have to build people up to it, even though regular listeners are probably going, yeah, we know. If they're not excited for our opening, they can stop listening right now. Did you, America? Welcome to another edition of Did You America? He's Jeremy. I'm Camfield. This is season two, episode... 12. I wrote it down. I'm so so glad that since we entered 2021, you've uh, retained the ability to count. It took a total of 32 episodes, but by God, I got it. (laughs) All right, let's deal with a little bit of... uh, Well, some people are making it out to be controversial news coming out of the great state of Texas because I feel like it sort of relates to our big opening... Mark Cuban, don't try to cancel the anthem now. I Do you know how long it took me to get a bit of the anthem on our big opening for this podcast? I We started doing... How many, how many episodes are we up to now? 33. Okay. Th- it took probably 26 episodes before I managed to get that bit of production to make us sound vaguely professional. And it took that long because the guy I used to make those sound effects for us is a huge drunk. I mean, I was, <laughs> I, I, I was asking him from when we started this podcast, which was back in October last year, can you make me something for a podcast that's uh, called Did You America? Give me a bit of anthem, make it sound America. You know, it took him three months to sober up enough to do that. Um, also, I want him to change the voiceover slightly. These are getting into probably technical details that our listeners don't need to know. I asked him, can you redo the voiceover four weeks ago? I haven't heard from him since because, you know, he's still getting through his Jamesons, right? So basically, Mark Cuban, whatever your agenda with this, it's not helpful if you're going to try and cancel the anthem because you know how long it'll take me to get new production. Do you think Ted Nugent can learn the nor- the North Korean national anthem for us for our new <laughs> for our new uh, theme song? Well, um, possibly coming from the complete opposite point of view of Mark Cuban, seeing Ted Nugent play the national anthem at the start of one of his shows was one of my favorite national anthem moments. But I think this just goes to prove that everyone takes from the national anthem what they want and can do while it's playing what they wish has always been my kind of point of view on it. I don't know that you necessarily need to just take it away. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely on the same uh, same side as you. I will say this though, as good of a national anthem moment as Ted Nugent was, my favorite national anthem moment was definitely this last Sunday when I won a dollar twenty six because the national anthem took longer than a minute fifty nine to complete. <laughs> right. That is a good national anthem. So, as I'm understanding this, Mark Cuban uh, didn't have the national anthem playing at Mavericks games, but of course there were no spectators for a while. Um, so they didn't play the anthem and no one realized and they played several games without the anthem and then one person realized and there was uproar as a result. Yeah, I love when that happens. You know, like, of course, 
there were plenty of games and they there was even one game with fans in attendance and no one said anything and then all of a sudden there was a report and then the woke police were praising Mark Cuban and then the other side came down on Mark Cuban pretty hard. Right, so Mark Cuban initially was, well, you know, we've been listening to feedback and we've decided that playing the anthems may be not a good thing. And then um, actually he was told, I think you're going to be playing it from here on in. And then he went, oh, no, no, no. I wasn't trying to cancel it. Yeah, it's actually, I was really surprised that the NBA, the NBA has gone all in with their side of the argument. So I was actually really surprised that they said, hey, you're going to have to play the national anthem. But then I remembered that it happened the day that the Mavs were scheduled to play a nationally televised game on ESPN with fans in attendance. So they were probably like, hey, let's not make everyone hate us once again. Yeah. I do One thing I do find real interesting Interesting though is you know like like we were saying no one noticed for the first 13 games and all of a sudden there's a story out about it i wonder if mark cuban like leaked it himself like why is no one praising me like i stopped playing the national anthem someone say something already it's like i've played 16 games and i've not been on msnbc about <laughs> this already i can't believe it I uh, So this is my take on the National Anthem, right? Being America's biggest fan, the, the, the British National Anthem only ever gets played if the Queen is in attendance at something. So if you go to a soccer match or rugby... And we or, stole that song and made it better, like <laughs> everything else we do. It's the Brussels sprout syndrome, as, again. We, as we always say on this podcast. Brussels sprouts, a British thing that no one likes because the Brits did them terribly. And then America took Brussels sprouts and gave them some flavor and improved it. Brussels sprout syndrome. Uh, you could say that definitely about the National Anthem. Anthem. So when I when I first uh, started visiting the states and going to some sporting events, you know, while I was on vacation, I loved the fact that the national anthem would always be played, and I'd stand up and I put my hand on my heart, and I was totally into it because I love the anthem and being in America, and even more so since I've lived here. You know, I mean, I'd love to become an American citizen. That's a very long, hard path, but I'm here on, a, on a, a visa, and I'm grateful to be here. So I like all of the patriotism surrounding the anthem. Now, other people have called out issues with the anthem, but I, I think that, you know, whether you want to stand or not, but basically the anthem can mean to you what whatever you take from it. And if you right. wish to stand and be patriotic like me and sing along and be part of it, even though I'm technically not an American, you should be able to do that. If you don't want to do that, you should be able to do that because that's freedom and that's America. But the idea that you don't get that option and you drop the anthem completely, that I don't agree with. Yeah, I, I don't think it was the right move. Where I do kind of agree with Mark Cuban, though, is like, in the end, we've we've now turned this into such an issue that no matter what you do, 50% of the country is going to be upset. So he tried to just take that out of the equation. Now, that's not an option. We've become so used to the national anthem being played before sporting events. As a sports fan and a proud American, I can tell you, as much as I love the national anthem being played before every sporting event, it probably isn't super necessary. You know, we put so much meaning behind what the national anthem is, and that's why people get so fired up mm. about it. But in the end, it is just a song. And like any song, people are going to equate their own meanings to it. Like, Okay, look at look at Born to Run, for instance. By that drunk. Exactly. But <laughs> Born to Run is, I mean, since it came out, has been a part of every 4th of July fireworks show right, that's right, ever right. been. Yet 
It's a protest song. No, now, that's born in the USA. Born in the USA. Who's not the born American? In the U- sorry, I said born to run. Who's the American? I meant born in the USA. Get your Springsteen right. Are How we, many are times we, is he going to be born? Are we about to cancel Springsteen? Excuse me. I meant born in the USA. <laughs> right, right, right. I. Uh, but you know, so some people see it as a protest song. Some people see it as um, a proud to be an American song. It's you put your own meaning to it. Another example. Do you remember the song? Uh, I'm Blue by Eiffel 65. No. I'm Blue, da ba dee da ba die. Vaguely. Okay, that was the oh, lyric. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then yeah. some people, though, didn't think it was abadie, abadie. They thought it was, I'm blue. If I was green, I would die. Now, two totally different lyrics, but in the end, whatever you like is the song. It doesn't matter. It's nonsense. The national anthem, you're going to put whatever your feelings are, and you shouldn't get mad because someone else has a different feeling about it. I totally agree with that. But equally, there's therefore no reason to take it away, you know, because it takes, what, about 90 seconds to play? Unless you're at a Ted Nugent show, as I discovered, where he starts with the national anthem, and his rendition of the national anthem was at least three times the length of any of his own songs that he played that particular night. There is one actually, like, really good thing about the national anthem that, Dallas in particular made better that I think the entire world should take on. You've never been to a Dallas Stars game, have you? No, not yet. Oh boy. Well, you're gonna love this. This is where they shout stars. This is where they oh, so at two, right. there's the word stars appears twice in the national anthem. And both times at Dallas Stars games, when that comes, the entire crowd chants stars. And it is so American, it is so Dallas, and it is so awesome. I one time was in LA, me and my brother went to an LA Kings I did just it. just stood up for this segment. I'm, I'm telling got, I'm you. I put my hand on my heart. I feel so patriotic. I never do any broadcasting standing up because, you know, that's for kids. But I'm now standing up. I feel like just you describing how they do the it's anthem. Great. We were the When we were at the LA Kings game, the stars weren't even playing. Right. We still chanted stars. Sure, we looked crazy in the stadium, <laughs> but everyone, everyone had to understand we were from Dallas and this is what we do. I actually had a friend the other week, and I have to embarrass her a little bit. She didn't realize that that was just the thing that happened mm-hmm. in Dallas. She thought that, like, everyone in the country chanted stars. So, like, during the Super Bowl, when it didn't happen, she was like, uh, they forgot. Right, right. <laughs> but, no, that's just a Dallas thing, something that the entire world does need to adopt. Well, I will say one more thing on the anthem. Uh, that sounds great. I feel like that could rival my Ted Nugent anthem experience. But the thing that really uh, made the, the Nugent experience so special for me, and, I, I, you know, I'm kind of unique in admitting this, I guess, is, that so he comes on stage and it goes on for I don't know how long a very long time and of course the entire Ted Nugent can you imagine the Ted Nugent audience they're on their they were on their feet before he came on because they knew that every Nugent show starts like this they know what's coming I also say that I've never seen so many American statements on t-shirts in one place as I have at a Ted Nugent show I mean some of the t-shirts that were being worn were were, were quite phenomenal anyway he does a version of the national anthem that sounds like it's going on for about 10 minutes and then at the very end of it he shouts God bless America and fuck everyone else. At which point the entire venue just started cheering and going wild, including me, 
even though technically I am everyone else. <laughs> you were a part of it on that day. <laughs> um, now, if we do, if Mark Cuban is going to get rid of the national anthem, I will make one request, and that's that we bring back the Chalupa chance that used to happen at Mavs games, where if they won and scored over 100 points, everyone in attendance got a free Chalupa. If Mark Cuban cancels the national anthem, this show is just going to start with America Fuck Yeah every episode. I can't like that, so I'm moving on to that. Did you, North Korea? <laughs> Uh, I want to talk about the Super Bowl streaker. For those of you who don't remember from uh, the prior episode, Jeremy made how many bets on the Super Bowl? 62. And from your 62 bets, you won how much money? $1.63. And this guy who was the streaker at the Super Bowl has claimed that he bet 50 grand on a prop bet and that he supposedly won... $374,000. Do we believe him? Yeah, I'm calling a bit of shenanigans on that one. Now, it depends where he made the bet, but most sports books in the country, because in most places around the country, they're illegal. They're not taking wagers that big. So I actually bet on that same bet. I got even better odds that he had on the website I used. I bet a dollar to win 13 that there would be a streaker. Now, if he came up with that much money, hey, good for him, but there's also rules against that like you you can't have inside information they say the same thing with uh most years they didn't do it this year on the website i use but they'll put out like what song is um the halftime performer right. gonna sing first and once that um the list leaks you know they take it off because there's always the fear that someone with knowledge of the list is just going to put place a bet So if it, if it was found that you placed a big bet on the, the greatest hits of the weekend, uh, the ones that were performed, and it turned out you were DMing the weekend, then right. then that would be null and void. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can, you can get a legal argument going for that for sure, yeah. Right. So when I announced on the podcast about a week ago, uh, we kind of started speculating that maybe it was worth having a bet that Kenny G might appear to do a saxophone <laughs> solo during the weekend's halftime performance because I'd read it on Reddit. So I and I said like Jeremy, you're gonna play sixty bets anyway. You might as well throw in like. In fact, you, the reason why you did sixty two was because the extra two bets were like one Kenny G is gonna do a saxophone solo, two he may have a wardrobe malfunction. It's all your fault. <laughs> I would have won two sixty three. But me revealing on the podcast that I am friends with Kenny. G's cousin if Kenny G had appeared to do a saxophone solo and his dick suddenly flopped out beneath the saxophone during the weekend's performance and you'd have put a thousand dollars on that which with I'm assuming great odds because they probably would have given you great odds on a Kenny G a appearance and b wardrobe malfunction then they went back and listened to our podcast and there I am revealing that I knew Kenny G's cousin you probably wouldn't have been able to claim that money is that what I'm yeah we most likely wouldn't have been able to claim that money and or would have been cellmates with Kenny G's brother, Daniel G. <laughs> so, but the streaker, I mean, is it the GameStop idea gone crazy? He was like, <laughs> okay, I see how they're doing GameStop and how they tried to do AMC. There's not going to be many people in attendance at the game. So if I can be an attendee, the chances of getting onto the pitch are probably quite high. I'm going to put some money into this. Well, here was my thinking of why I put money onto it is because there was less people than any other Super Bowl in the last 20 years, there was most likely less security. Right, yeah, and yeah, yeah. More likely of a chance that because, you know, a lot of people are still at home and it's the Super Bowl and you're expecting more people to watch it than anything else. This guy was like, hey, why not take my chances? And 
you know, clearly not only did he get on the field at the Super Bowl, he got out of jail at night. He ended up having quite the fun night because I saw a headline that he went to the strip club later that evening and was even kicked out of air. Wow. Yeah, he tried to get on the stage and he was making it. It was it was his gold standard night. So the secure, the strip club security was better than the Super Bowl security? Is that what you're telling <laughs> hey, me? I've experienced that firsthand. There was one time I was at a strip club here in Dallas. Were you, were you sitting on your hands? Uh, I think someone like you at a strip club should always sit on your hands as well, a rule. Well, I definitely should have been because I had maybe had a little bit too much to drink. And one of the dancers came up to me and was like, hey, baby, you want a private dance? And horny Jeremy was like, Hell yeah, I want a private dance. Little did Horny Jeremy know that he currently had about $6 in his bank account. <laughs> so after my dance that lasted about eight songs, which is, you know, 20 bucks a song, should have given her 160 plus yeah. a tip. Those songs, are really, those songs are really short Very as well. Very short. That's right? why I kept adding songs. Anytime I've been at a strip club, which it might surprise you to know, I've been to some strip clubs. Um, I always uh, am in there and I think to myself, my version of Cherry Pie on iTunes is way longer than the one they just played. Like, I always think, like, I was enjoying Girls, Girls, Girls by Motley Crue. How did it cut Wait, it's off after, after 45 seconds? That was just Girls, Girls. Yeah, literally. Right? <laughs> I, uh, well, this is actually why I, I have sworn off the strip club since. Well, you know, I didn't have the money. So I'm at the ATM. I'm acting like I'm punching it in, knowing that I have no way. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Eventually, she gets, you know, she sees what's going on. The bouncers come, and they, they, they literally threw me out of there, like in the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, how Will, how DJ Jazzy Jeff would get tossed out by the uncle. Right, shirt on the back. Shirt or hand on the back of the shirt, on the back of the pants, and he hoved me out of the door. Wow! So yeah, after that, I figured strip club's probably not for me. I'm wondering. Uh, let's uh, let's just assume there are some uh, nefarious uh, strip clubs in uh, Tampa, Florida, because I'm sure there are. I'm wondering what the uh, Super Bowl streaker was trying to get at the strip club. Because imagine he was asking for one of those special dances and he's going, no, you don't understand. My money's low in the bank account right now, but tomorrow I'm going to earn 300 grand from something <laughs> I did earlier on today. I, I can tell you exactly what he was trying to get at the strip club. It's what we're all trying to get at the strip club and we never get. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fill in the blank. So, um... Drunk Tom Brady, right? This is the other big bit of uh, news off the back of the Super Bowl on Sunday. Uh, first of all, apparently there's no coronavirus in Tampa if you're on a boat. <laughs> yeah, water cancels it out. Yeah, literally. Uh, I mean, come on, World Health Organization. You didn't figure that out. Uh, Fauci, are you watching? Apparently, if we were just on water, then everything would be fine. Listen, you have to be careful. Here in DFW, we're all about that boat life. There's nothing better than going to Party Cove at Lake Louisville, tying up and getting rowdy. I'm pretty sure that's where I saw my first titty. <laughs> So um, Tom Brady is uh, drunk, uh, throwing the Lombardi Trophy uh, during the victory parade because they had two boats, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and I guess like, I mean, I, here's the thing though. I, I, leading up to the Super Bowl, I kept on reading all of this information about Tom Brady's strict diet and, you know, his <laughs> right, chef the TV and, 12 yeah, and, and how crazy that is. So he strikes me as a man who would not have had any alcohol whatsoever during the entire season, during the training beforehand, up until the point at which he got on that boat, right? right? Like, even to go back to the streaker for a second, when that happened during the game, like, 
they showed Brady on screen because, you know, the cameras can't show the streaker. So they cut to Brady. And where you would think, like, they were up so much. There's like five minutes left. The game was decided that, like, he'd even get a nice chuckle out of it. He looked so intense. Like, he was so angry about it. And, like, he was in that game time zone. Mm. So this was clearly what happens when Tom Brady lets loose. When he gets out of that zone... Brady going to get wild. So uh, he's got the trophy and he's thinking to himself, you know what? I'm just going to throw this to Gro- uh, Gronkowski on the other boat <laughs> yeah. and he's going to catch it because that's the move we did a bunch of times and it won us the Super Bowl. <laughs> it worked a hundred times in the past. But uh, when I was doing it during the Super Bowl, I hadn't taken a drink for about 18 <laughs> months, uh, whereas apparently I have now. Now, there's videos of uh, Brady being completely drunk. By the way, uh, some, Gronkowski didn't even catch it, right? Someone else yeah, caught someone the trophy. Yeah, someone else did, right? yeah. Uh, Cameron so, Bray. So the trophy isn't damaged. Uh, although it probably wasn't the most... Uh, it might have gotten a little wet. <laughs> yeah, it might, it might have gotten a little wet, but I'm sure it's... Uh, I'm, I'm well, sh- you know, Brady, like you said, like you would expect him to almost be a lightweight and get drunk really fast. Right. And it almost looked like it because he had to be helped off the boat in videos that went viral after. But Brady is actually pretty well known as being quite the beer drinker. He was a champion chugger at the University of Michigan and there were always rumors while he was on the Patriots that like he was the best drinker on the team so obviously TB12 method doesn't call for alcohol too much I don't but know. when he's ready to let loose the guy's clearly a tank I don't know if I believe that the, the, you tell me the rumors from the Patriots that's the same as saying Robert Kraft had a standard massage at orchids <laughs> of Asia the, the bulls weren't were the bulls inflated or deflated Deflated. The bulls weren't deflated. <laughs> they didn't have secret cameras in the right. in the if dressing rooms. If he's deflating rooms. balls, he's clearly taking calories out of those beers too. I, I just, I mean, I you know, I used to dr- have a fun time drinking. I drank loads, and I decided about eighteen months ago I'd, I'd had enough, and I was going to quit for a while. And I've just carried on not drinking. But as someone who used to, you know, enjoy a lot of Jack and Cokes. We're just over 18 months into me not having had any alcohol. If I sniffed half a pint of Bud Light now, I'd probably feel slightly lightheaded. So I, I, I'm just not. The, the, yeah, Tom Brady was drunk, but he could have had. He could have just sniffed a shot of Patron. <laughs> is what I'm saying. Look, we can't all be Rob Gronkowski. This guy is an absolute tank. Some mm. people just need a few beers. You know, I went to uh, I went to the University of Arizona, as did Rob Gronkowski, where he's a legend. Sadly, I missed him about for by about two years. But one of the big things at Arizona is pool parties, and for the big pool parties throughout the year, sometimes celebrities got to come back and show some love. So. My first year there, Gronk is... Is that him texting, by yeah, the way? Yeah, this is him. He's like, Gronk's- why are you telling this story? <laughs> he, uh, he was at the party, and I see him gronking out, dancing by the pool. Yeah. And he's so drunk that he fell into the pool. Whatever. Funny moment. Aha, Gronk. Look at him. He's drunk. Everyone forgot about it. The next year, at the same pool party... He did the exact same thing. He was standing by the edge of the pool. He was dancing and he drunkenly fell in. So some people are shit shows. Some people are Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. One of my friends went on the, you know, he did some cruises, right? The Gronk cruises and just said that it was totally off the scale. (laughs) The the Gronk cruise. Oh, yeah. See that, uh, I think that's just, uh. An arrest waiting to happen, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they like, that's a public detox boat. Yeah. 
Meanwhile, Springsteen and Jeep are going, more news on drunk Trump Tom <laughs> right. Brady. Take the attention away from us. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Nothing. We've taken our Jeep advert off of YouTube in the hope that you've all forgotten about it. And could we get more news on how drunk Brady and Gronkowski were? All right, we'll get to part two of Did You America in uh, just a second. Um, I've got to do some astrology bullshit. Um, I also want to update you on Song of the Week. And uh, if you've uh, been in touch with the show, we'll do some listener feedback as well. If you do want to get in touch with the show, do not forget, you can talk to us via the website, didyouamerica.com. All right, let's do part two of uh, Did You America. He's Jeremy. I'm Cam Fields. This is uh, season two, episode 12. And we have uh, some songs of the week, which you can vote for. Thank you if you've done that already. Voting continues until uh, Monday morning. Uh, New York producer this week going with Sacrificial by Rez featuring Paris. I went with Gang Signs by Freddie Gibbs featuring Schoolboy Q. And uh, I'm going with a, a taster of the forthcoming album by A Day to Remember. Their song is called Everything We Need. If you want to vote, uh, didyouamerica.com slash song is where you can go. Or we have a poll on my Twitter. I'm at Ian Canfield on Twitter. So once again, my choice, Everything We Need by A Day to Remember. Jeremy's going with Gang Signs by Freddie Gibbs. And New York producer going with Sacrificial by Rez featuring Paris. Didyouamerica.com slash song if you want to vote on the website. Uh, if you want to go to my Twitter and have a look at the poll that we have there, um, you can head to Ian Canfield on Twitter. Thank you for uh, getting involved with that stuff. Um, let's do some listener feedback before we move on to uh, other topics. Um, Sharon just sent me a picture of some stilettos with the American flag on them and said, I bet you're jealous I've got a pair of these and you haven't. I bet you are jealous as well. I looked at them and I thought, I don't know if I want to be tottering around on those. But yeah, I mean, I <laughs> in my apartment, as, as, as Jeremy will attest, because we sit in it twice a week recording this podcast... I kind of have uh, the Texas or the American flag on most things. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and, they, and they don't have to be things that are necessarily usable. So keeping, a, I think, keeping a pair of stilettos in the closet with the American flag on it would, A, make people go, oh, everything's got a flag on it in Ian's apartment, and B, would make people go, hmm, wonder what he does on a Friday night. <laughs> I uh, I went through a super American phase where like the only shirts I wore were either American shirts or shirts with like animals on them. Right. So I like I have a whole section of my closet that's just like USA flags. But my most prized possession of all of them is I have a pair of socks that on the bottom it says back to back World War champs. That's what it means to be an American. It's pretty awesome. When I moved to the great state of Texas, uh, within the first couple of weeks, I went to Boot Barn. Um, and I've owned cowboy boots before. I've, you know, Whenever I've bought cowboy boots, I've spent a decent amount of money, so they last a decent amount of time. Yeah. But in the past, and indeed the one of the other pairs that I still have to this day, they're just your, your standard black boots. And I never would wear them with my pants tucked in the boots because I don't think I can carry off that look. So I'd, <laughs> right. I'd, I'd wear a standard pair of like black cowboy boots so that people just see the the, the main foot part yeah, and yeah. they go, oh, nice boots, right? And yeah. that kind of thing. Um, 
so that's always been my stance on cowboy boots, which I, I am a fan of. But moving to the great state of Texas, I go to Boot Barn. And maybe this is a thing specific to the Boot Barns in Texas, but they seem to have a whole row of boots that have all got some kind of flag on them. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you know what? I've never been this gregarious in my choice of footwear. But I bought, I spent like probably about $300 is a pricey pair of boots. Oh, wow. On a pair of uh, cowboy boots that have got the American flag on the upper part of the boot, right? Yeah. So, again, if you wear your pants over the boot, it just looks like you've got a nice boot, it's right? It's like a little shoe. Here's the difference between living in the great state of Texas and living anywhere else, and this is why I invested in these boots when I moved here because I didn't think that this would be acceptable in a different part of the states. So I start going out to places. This is pre-COVID. I'm new here. I'm meeting people, going to new places. And, of course, Texans with that great southern hospitality, they always go, oh, it's a nice pair of boots. And I think Texas is the only state where I could then go, check out this, lift up my pants to show the top part of the boot that's got the American flag on it. And everyone in Texas who I showed that to went, Oh, even better. <laughs> yeah, that's how you that's how you get welcomed into the Lone Star State right there. So yeah, Sharon, you can show me your US flag stilettos, but I raise you some US flag three hundred dollar boot barn cowboy boots. There you go. Yeah. Um, we also have uh, a message from uh, someone who uh, who left us a voicemail, which you can do uh, if you if you're not comfortable uh, talking on the podcast. Then by all means, go to didyouamerica.com slash message us and uh you can type a message but if you want to actually be on the show go to uh the be on the show icon and then you just talk at your listening device and you can record us a message as this person did hey Ian, what's up it's your cousin nigel from harlow won't you come back home you know you ain't gonna get no job in the states come back home get your nice job over here radio x We'll bring you down the tracks down by Wembley, and you can get a, you know, you can fancy a wank to some of the nice gentlemen over there, maybe for 20 quid a piece. And by the way, nobody over here says kitchen. It's kitchen. Say it right. I'm sick of listening to your, your show, and you say, I record a podcast in my kitchen. It's kitchen. Kitchen. Okay. Um, wow. <laughs> Maybe we should take that off the website. <laughs> First of all, did he claim he was my cousin, Nigel? There, there's no way that guy's from England. Uh, well, okay. Let me let me translate some of that message from um, English English to American English because okay. there's a few terms in that that people wouldn't necessarily know. So he refers to Radio X, which is the station that I used to work for in Shitsville, as I call the UK. Um, uh, so that's that. Uh, secondly, um, he uh, what was he uh, so he thinks I should go back to the UK a because I could get a job back at the radio station that I used to work for, and b the other incentive to me returning to the UK is that I could go to a truck stop near Wembley where apparently a load of truckers hang out. And uh, he, when he said, get wanked off by one of them, <laughs> that means jerked off, oh, right? Right, okay, okay, so now I've translated all of that. So first of all, first of all, I don't have a cousin called Nigel. I have no idea who that person sure. is. But I do think that he's probably speaking with some authority <laughs> as to the location in London where you can find some sexually confused truckers who may well <laughs> jerk you off 
and or find some glory holes. For so, so anyone who is of a homosexual persuasion like myself, if you're planning a trip after COVID's gone to the UK and you want to get jerked off by some truckers, uh, just ask someone where Wembley Stadium is and, and, and just circle that area and find a bunch of trucks that are pulled up next to one another. Uh, that concludes this week's segment of where the best glory holes are in North London. <laughs> Check back next week when we tell you about Africa. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's just do London bit by piece. Okay. Next week, we'll tell you the best place to get jerked off in South London. I just love that, like, with someone with such a clearly fake accent, he knows so much about your hometown. Well, actually, I was wondering about that because to me, he did sound like someone putting on a British accent, which suggests that he's actually someone listening to this podcast in the States, which would make sense if not for just the fact that I criticize the UK so much. I mean, I refer to the UK as Shitsville constantly during this podcast. Even though some people might have seen me online and remember me from being on the radio in the UK and listened to, you know, the podcast on occasion, I feel like we've driven away all of the British audience <laughs> just based on my pro-America, I hate the UK stance. But then, if he is an American putting on a fake British accent... He does seem to have quite good knowledge of the geography of London. If he's American, that's the nicest way anyone has ever said, go back to your country. <laughs> I mean, we'd have to break down the message bit by bit because maybe I'm going to kind of contradict what I just said. He could have just Googled London glory holes. <laughs> Wembley, Wembley popped up. Right. And he thought, oh, Wembley, I know that because of the stadium for the sporting events. Okay, I'll just talk about a truck stop in Wembley. I just like that on the, when you Google glory holes in England, the soccer stadium's the first thing that pops up. Well, I tell you this. Remember the, uh, the soccer stadium? Well, you probably don't. Uh, a few years ago, it got completely rebuilt. Right. So, you know, if you're going to find a glory hole in Wembley, Wembley Stadium, those bathrooms are going to be very clean. <laughs> well, bad news, Nigel. Camfield cannot return to England because they hate him there. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, you should see the glory holes in Austin, Texas. Ah. That's a joke, everybody. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Nigel, I, uh, I thank you. Uh, I thank you for your input. And um, I don't think there's any way that Radio X would have me back at this point. <laughs> no. <laughs> even, if, even if I wanted to return. I don't um, even think I'm allowed to go to England at this point. No, you're guilty by association, <laughs> right. right? And you and you don't you wouldn't you don't even want to be blown by a trucker no. in Wembley. <laughs> and you in fact, what would be worse for you? Getting blown by a trucker in Wembley or being made to go to a soccer game there? Oh god. I'll take the blowjob. <laughs> and uh, also, I've got to give a mention to uh, Chad. On the previous episode, um, we were discussing how great I thought the reboot of The Equalizer was with uh, Queen Latifah. It had its season premiere after the Super Bowl. And I was basically saying that everything about it was like an 80s action show. And I, I didn't think that they should try and evolve. It should be the same plot every week. Every week, she should have a fight, a car chase. Right. Um, there should be a shootout. And don't give me complicated story arcs. I want like an old 80s action show. I want a TV show where if I come into it for the first time, episode nine... 
I don't need to know what happened in episode two. Don't overcomplicate it. I want the same plot every week. Yeah, screw your story arc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No story arcs. And I'm absolutely fine with very obvious body doubles because, you know, the stunts weren't that good in the 80s. So <laughs> right. anyway, the, the, the Equalizer as a new show was ticking all of the boxes of the things that I loved about old 80s action shows. Um, and we did discuss the fact that... Um, the, the the best part of Knight Rider, and this happened on numerous episodes, was when David Hasselhoff played a double part because uh, his character in Knight Rider was uh, Michael Knight and there was an evil Michael Knight. Oh, uh, yes. And the way to differentiate between good Michael Knight and evil Michael Knight was that evil Michael Knight had a moustache. <laughs> the international sign for he's evil now. Right, exactly. And also they really did have to differentiate because David Hasselhoff was such a bad actor he could just about portray one Michael Knight, let alone, <laughs> let alone two of them. Anyway, the point being... Uh, Chad, I love your creativity. He sent me a picture titled Evil Equalizer, and it was Queen Latifah with a drawn-on moustache. <laughs> you know what? She really did look evil. See? <laughs> There's something about it. It works. I'm telling you, if I am not hired as the executive producer on that Equalizer reboot within the next three episodes, I don't know what's going on in the world. Yeah, you're either that or the foreign bad guy. Yeah, yeah, that needs to be uh, that needs to be sorted. Anyway, thank you to everyone who uh, sent in that correspondence. And uh, if you do want to uh, talk to us, don't forget you can go to didyouamerica.com if you want to uh, send us a message uh, via your typing skills. Click on message us if you want to talk to us, like my apparent cousin Nigel did. Didyouamerica.com/slash be on the show is the way you can do that. Uh, right. Um, Valentine's Day is just around the corner. And uh, what am I reading? I'm reading astrology charts for who you are best to be in a relationship with based on your star sign. And well, just a headline, people who believe in astrology, I don't need to read the words that follow those words because I get <laughs> as far as astrology and go, oh, for fuck's sake who actually believes in this bullshit way too many people yeah what does it say about me and you uh, well again i know that my astrology sign is cancer i actually don't know like people i don't know how i don't know how the year is divided up with the other astrology signs because it's all <laughs> such bullshit so i don't even know what your astrology i, sign I don't is. even know what my astrology sign is um what does it say okay so people who believe in astrology say gemini's are the worst to date and pisces are the best sure yeah um i have a friend of mine and also by the way mercury's in retrograde which is a big concern if you're into astrology and this made me think of my friend now i, I will say this about my friend it's someone that i've kept in touch with from the uk and um he is a good friend of mine we get along very well. He's very amusing, but he lives his entire life by star signs Ugh. and astrology. And this whole... Oh, and you've remained friends with him? Well, yeah, I just disregard the astrology things and, okay. then, get, and then get to the funny messages <laughs> occasionally. Right. Um, but he'll talk about Mercury being in retrograde and it'll be, you know, it might, his text messages might as well say, 
you probably shouldn't leave the apartment today because Mercury's in retrograde. And like, but, and, and <laughs> What's going to happen? Y- you know, like, is Mercury, are like, our lasers going to shoot down from the sky because Mercury's in retrograde? All of the uh, warnings he's given me about Mercury being in retrograde and what I should and shouldn't do based on whatever he read online about the cancer star sign today. And I've known him for several years. At no point did he ever send me a message going, you know, it's written in the stars that there's going to be this terrible pandemic coming out of China. <laughs> So you probably like that. Have you noticed how all of the astrology can be very specific to you, but when it's like something that affects the entire world, apparently no fucking psychic predicted it. It's also like weirdly that the same people who do this are like the people who believe in like flat earth and are anti-vaxxers and like the worst conspiracies known to man. Like I'm in a real predicament lately. There's this girl I went to high school with and she is so hot. Like, one of the most attractive girls I've known my whole life, but lately she's gone a bit crazy. Right. And it's become kind of the talk of a lot of circles that we went to high school with, like, because her social media posts are so outlandishly insane. And this girl, you know, she was totally normal. Then, like, she started getting into some spirituality. She started buying way too many crystals. Then she got her own personal psychic. That psychic started convincing her that she has psychic powers. Then that girl one time told me, while we were driving back from a friend's wedding in Arkansas, that she, in fact, had telekinetic powers and can move (laughs) things with her mind. (laughs) Meanwhile, before that wedding, she was with a guy that she was hooking up with, was on again, off again. She got beat up by the guy's ex-girlfriend. Apparently, she didn't see that coming with her psychic abilities. And now, like, she's just constantly fighting with people online and using memes as scientific evidence, yet she will be the first person to tell you, hey, don't go outside because Mercury is in retrograde. Yeah, I I went to see a psychic when I lived in Arizona in Scottsdale because uh, another friend of mine, who was kind of into uh, it, she was visiting and uh, in Arizona, uh, parts of Scottsdale, and definitely in Sedona, if you're into all this kind of stuff, it's supposed to be really spiritual, right? Yeah, right. The only thing that I noticed about uh, the the Scottsdale and Sedona that made me think, is this a sign of spirituality? Is that everyone's got wind chimes up, right? <laughs> if you, seriously. That is, that is the, the state noise of Arizona. Literally, <laughs> wind chimes everywhere. And, and, and I'm thinking, these are more likely to give me tinnitus than they are connect me to my dead nan. Right, you, you right. Know what, you know what I mean? As someone who took a lot of acid in his time in Arizona, I can tell you it's nothing special about the location. It's the same as doing it here in Dallas. But they, uh, yeah, there's a lot of wind chimes. Anyway, so my friend's visits and she's like, oh yeah, I want to go to, and Sedona's a fun place to go visit. The, 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 the views and everything are, are very good if you want to go up to the mountains. So we were going to do all of that. And, you know, she'd been Googling all of these things that she wanted to do while she was staying with me for about a week. And um, she said, oh, I'm going to go get this psychic reading in, in Scottsdale. And I said, look, these people are a complete waste of time. Like, I understand people that believe in, uh, that, that are religious or people that accept that there's something else that's happening apart from our existence down here on Earth. 
Um, I, I've said on this podcast before, my mum passed away nearly five years ago. Every so often, I go out onto my balcony here in the DFW and chat with my mum. I've no idea whether she hears me or not, but it makes me feel better. So right. I, I get that. I'm not one of these people that goes, you're born and then you're dead and that's it, because I don't know. But I do say, these people that you pay money to that claim they can see into your future or make contact with your dead mum or your nan or whoever, that is complete bullshit. So I say to my friend who's saying, oh, yeah, we've got to go see. I've Googled this uh, psychic in Scottsdale, Arizona, and she's got great Yelp reviews. We're <laughs> going to go sit right. And I said, look, listen, I'm going to go in and show you that this is complete bullshit. I said, you're going to pay for it because I ain't putting my own money up. I said, but let me change your mind on this. I'm going to go in, see the psychic. I'm not going to be rude to the psychic. I'll be very respectful, but I will show you that it's absolute crap. All they're looking for is body language and things that they can pick right. up on to, you know, then give There's you cues. Yeah, this ridiculous reading. So anyway, she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll show you they're wrong because, you know, Mercury's not in retrograde. So now's a good time to get a psychic reading and the Yelp reviews are great. I'm like, okay. So we go see this psychic in uh, Scottsdale and I go in there and... Um, the psychic gives me this whole preamble about how um, she's going to uh, uh, just uh, look at me and get a sense of what's going on, and she'll give me a reading, and um, I don't have to say anything, and I don't have to keep eye contact with her. Basically, I can do anything I want, and she'll be able to tell me stuff, and she'll guide me through kind of what's going on with me at the moment and things I should be looking out for in the future, all this kind of stuff. And that, uh, you know, it's normally about a 30-minute reading, but it can go on for a bit longer if I need it to, and so on and so forth, and, you know. And then she starts, you're already trying to upsell me. Like, she hasn't even started the <laughs> right. reading, and she's telling me about potential next steps that we could go to after this point. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to go along with this, but I am adamant that I'm going to give nothing away to the psychic because she's already given me the option to A, not keep eye contact with her and B, stay silent. But remember, it's a minimum of 30 minutes and she's going to get all of these stories and a sense of where I'm at. We got six minutes <laughs> into this reading during which she threw out the most open-ended observations right. that could be relevant to anyone. And because I was just stoic through the whole thing and deliberately gave nothing away, after six minutes, by my math, there's still 24 minutes left of this guaranteed time. She just went, and that's all I see. Is there anything else you'd like to know? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what she also did? And this is what they, they always do. They throw it out to either people that believe in it completely or people that are, I guess, like me, a difficult customer. They throw out the concept that you, as the person getting the reading, have the ability to be psychic because they just right. want you to jump into the conversation because if they put the idea into your head that you're also psychic and you're going to go along with it, you're going to give something else away about yourself that they can cling on to. It's funny that like when we see famous magicians, you know, we're not like, oh my God, the sorcery, we know it's a trick. Right. Yet with, with psychics, like people get duped so easy. I, I've, I, I've, I've always said this. I mean, I'm not saying these people don't have a skill. But if you are 
a psychic, a magician, or a life coach. It's basically <laughs> the same job. Right. All you're doing is picking up on signs from whoever your client is, either body language or things that they say, and you are talking about them, talking around them, encouraging those people to say more stuff and to open up. And so therefore you can work with it. And I guarantee anyone who is a good magician could set themselves up this afternoon as a psychic and carry off being a psychic convincingly because the skills that they've learned as a magician are all about the way in which they think about things that most people don't and the aspects of body language and such that they pick up on. And it's the same thing. Uh, actually, a great example of that is Houdini, who you know was the greatest magician ever. I believe it was him who he proved that psychics aren't real. When he died, he told his wife, like, hey, I have a secret word. This is our word. Only me and you know it. Go around to every single psychic and see if any of them can get the word. Every single one of them said, of course I know the word. It's coming to me. They didn't, they didn't act like, oh, that's not how this works. They all said, I can do it, no question. And not a one of them got the word correct. Second 1980s TV reference of the podcast today. Do you know... Who shattered the illusion of psychics for me when I was a kid in the 80s? Who? Lieutenant Columbo. <laughs> because there is an episode called Columbo Goes to the Guillotine. I'm sure it's on YouTube. In this episode, there's a guy who claims that he can read minds, right? And he is getting a high-level job with a government agency because they think that this mind-reading skill he's got is going to be a great asset. And it turns out, the backstory, is that he was in jail at one point with a guy who was a magician. Right. And the guy that was a magician had this mind-reading trick, hence my theory that you can be a psychic or a magician, they're the same thing. The guy that was the magician teaches this other guy the trick... And the reason why it's a Columbo episode is because in order to keep the magician quiet, the guy who's claiming he can read minds kills the magician, so there's no one to expose the fact that his mind-reading expertise that's going to be employed by the government is actually a magic trick. And let me tell you how... So Columbo basically comes into the scenario and goes, okay, this is clearly crap, right? I, but the way to nail this guy is to prove that he's just doing a magic trick. Do you know what Columbo does? What does Columbo do? He goes to the magic circle and he finds a 10-year-old magic uh, <laughs> prodigy. Right. <laughs> and he says to him, this is the way the guy claims that he can read minds. And they sit in a McDonald's and Columbo keeps buying the 10-year-old burgers and fries until he's figured out how the guy who claims he can read minds is doing the trick. And then when it comes to the big final judgment of the guy's going to read a mind, and if he can do it convincingly, the government's going to give him the big job, Columbo walks into the big meeting and goes, stop. I'm going to do it today. And of course, he reads the minds. Ah, okay. Yeah. Columbo goes to the guillotine. There you go. I'm, I'm convinced. I'm Psychics aren't real. No, I'm telling you. <laughs> there's, the, there's the thing. I was, as a little kid in the 80s, I went... Oh, and so just to sum up my uh, slamming of psychics yeah. on uh, this episode of uh, Did You America, 
So my friend, the one who's always, don't leave the house, it's retrograde mercury, blah, 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 right. blah. Remember a few weeks ago when I told you that I had some teeth issues and I had to go to the dentist right. and, and it turned out that I had an infection in my tooth and actually I, I didn't need the tooth pulled out or any big work done. They could just give me some um, antibiotics to make it go away. Right. My buddy, who is all into psychics and such, said, how are you getting on? And I said, i got this teeth issue. He sent me a teeth chart where it's a, a drawing of the, the teeth that most people have in their mouth. And depending on what tooth is giving you an issue, the teeth chart designates what your issue in life is. So <laughs> one tooth, apparently, if you've got if, if that tooth is aching, it's because of work stress. There's another tooth, if that's aching, you might have heart problems. Is there one for lack of flossing? <laughs> no. <laughs> right? But that's what I mean. These people that buy into it 110% are always looking for another reason. And so there was all of this psychological stress and he literally believed in this my buddy's like check out the t the teeth chart and i said well, okay well, and, I, and i forget what what the, the particulars i I'd, I'd isolated the tooth that was giving me a problem i forget what the what the apparently according to this chart my actual issue was um but let's say it was um i was suffering guilt oh right no it might actually just be that there's an infection in that tooth and I need some antibiotics. I don't know. Sometimes when I go to Chinese restaurants, those fortune cookies come true. <laughs> All right. I think we are done for another week. Uh, don't forget, if you want to get in touch with the show, didyouamerica.com is where you can go. It's also where you can listen to older podcast episodes you can vote for song of the week there if you would like uh, song of the week votes also welcome at the poll on my twitter i'm at ian canfield on twitter and don't forget you can buy one of our lovely did you america t-shirts if you go to the website how lovely are those t-shirts jeremy oh they feel so good on your nipples uh did you the place to go to for all that kind of stuff thank you very much for checking out this one did we america today we definitely did in guatemala